Hey, 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 happy Sunday. You are with me once again on Insights with Latrice. I'm so, so happy you're here with me. We are going to talk. You know, I have this series going on called Dear White People. So tell your mama names, your people names, all them names, okay? Tell them to watch, like, share, right? Because it's going down. We're going to have some really authentic conversation, some real strong conversation. So don't get it twisted, but necessary conversation right now. Um, I'm so excited. I love doing this series. I've had a lot of people reach out to me, um, white and black, but especially my white sisters and brothers just asking, hey, I don't know, or hey, this or that. And you know what? I'll, hey, I'll teach you. I'll talk to you. I'll make sure that I bring people on that will give you insight, will give you information because this can't be a moment. This right here in history has to be a movement. What we're fighting for, everybody, black, white, what we're fighting for is America we've never seen. We've talked about, we've wished and hoped, but we've never seen this. So we have to make sure we're intentional with everything that we do and say and so i definitely hey guys let me just say hey placid bruce susan what's going on with you guys thank you so much for joining please if you have any questions feel free put it there we're going to answer them all i'm asking for everyone just to be respectful this is not a platform where you can talk crazy because I'll delete you. I'm just going to let you know right now. I play no games. Hear me good. None. Hey, Tara. Um, but this is about information. Knowledge is key, right? And in order, especially to my wonderful white sisters and brothers, in order to make change, there, you may not have grown up with black people. So there's things you don't know other than what you see on TV or what you heard. I like to bring on people that you can be educated by, informed by, and so you can see that we're not all one way, just like no, no race is just one way. So it's a lot of information. So let me stop talking and bring in my guest of the hour. Let me tell you about this chick. Well, okay, she's already here, <laughs> Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> hello hello how are you i'm doing great it's great to be here thank you for having me thank you for being here i'm so excited i want to just hit it real good mm -hmm. right um yeah. first, let's talk to, let's talk about hey steve hey xavier hey tammy let's first find out who are you how did you grow up mm -hmm. where did you grow up Give us a little backstory because I think that's very important so people can connect and understand where you're from and, and everything. So talk to me. Who are you, girl? <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, yeah, my name is Brianna Belser. I go by Bree, like the cheese. Don't forget. Um, I grew up down south in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am uh, black. My mom is white. My dad is black, so I'm, I'm biracial. Um, and I was educated in Boston, and now I live in Los Angeles, and I'm a television writer for no, CBS. Pause. You're not going to just kind of walk over that, right? 
It doesn't define you, but I think it's something that is amazing. Where'd you graduate college from? I'm a Harvard graduate. Yeah. I'm just saying, what, what? Mm -hmm. ooh, ooh. I think that's <laughs> important. Doesn't define you. Well, thank right? you. Doesn't define No, you it doesn't. Are. Well, it's but good. I, I, I appreciate you uh, definitely emphasizing, you know, I'm not trying to minimize at all. It's just in a conversation about race and privilege. I don't want my pedigree to somehow legitimize what I'm saying as worth listening to. And Absolutely. so if knowing that I have access to the Ivy League or that I have access to film and television somehow persuades you to listen to me more, then I think that's still unproductive. So I'm just coming from yeah. a place of hear me out because I have some things that I love to express um, as opposed to here's the reason why I'm qualified to be heard. That's good. That's mm -hmm. good because my husband, okay, remember we talked earlier and my husband yeah. said, don't talk so much. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, you can't. This Look, this is a conversation. We're going to go back and forth. It's all good. <laughs> Okay, continue. Yeah, so I um, I went to school in Boston, and I think, um, you know, so having some significant experience my formative years down south to then grow up in New England and now to live on the West Coast, I've had such a survey of what it means to live in the United States regionally and how my, you know, my experiences as a Black woman change depending upon the context. So now I'm here in Los Angeles. I'm writing for a television show on CBS called All Rise, um, yes. starring Simone Missick. It's a black, she's a black judge who's looking to try to use the justice system to get as much moral justice as she can uh, within the confines of the American justice system. Awesome. First of all, before I even knew that and I wanted you on, I didn't realize you wrote for that show that my husband oh, and I watched. Yeah. Oh, you so, watched? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good show. That's mm -hmm. a very good show. So I'm it, glad. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very um, there's good content you learn from it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's and you know, we're very intentional. So yes. thank you for that intro mm -hmm. of who you mm -hmm. are or some things about you. Let's just say that. You know, of course, yeah. Of course. Let's, let's hit it. Let's let's hear the hit it. The first thing I want to talk to you about, yeah, and this is something that comes up a whole lot in conversation, intent versus impact. Yeah. Can you give us some insight on that? Yeah, I think it's a great framework for accountability. And I think in these kinds of conversations where um, we're talking about how do we want to shape the world, we want to hold ourselves accountable for what currently is and also hold ourselves accountable for architecting the vision of what's to come. So specifically talking about racism, microaggressions, prejudice, discrimination, a lot of times when we're having these conversations, what I found is if I have... Um, if I brought up a, the subject of an issue that I might have along racial lines, that the person I'm speaking to wants to spend their time discussing what they meant and what they intended by their, their action or their commentary. And what I found why this is so unproductive is a lot of the reason why I've, I have decided to bring up the conversation is to discuss the impact. I don't wanna talk about what you meant because it fundamentally is not real, it doesn't exist, it's intangible to me. I wanna talk about what happened and I used, um, this analogy, if you accidentally step on my foot while we're dancing together and I tell you, ouch, that hurt, please stop stepping on my foot. And you explain to me all the ways you tried to step on every bit of the floor, but my foot, you silenced me. 
And you haven't allowed me to be able to be, uh, you know, or you haven't held yourself accountable for what you've done. My foot still hurts. And there is no framework for how to prevent it from happening again. So when it comes to conversations and I'll like just summarize about race, um, you know, the name of the series is Dear White People. I think in particular, when you're in these conversations that are hard and uncomfortable, or you're talking about systemic issues that while you might not have created, you perpetuate, a lot of it is don't, if you find yourself explaining what you meant, you're already exercising a level of privilege, which is the privilege not to listen or to hold yourself accountable. So wow. instead, if someone says you hurt me, a lot of times mirror them, I hurt you, I'm, I apologize. How did I, how did I hurt you? I don't want to do it again. Here's my commitment to making sure it doesn't happen again. So much of change is first addressing that it happened, holding yourself accountable and working together with the injured party or the oppressed party in this case to figure out a way to make sure it doesn't happen again. That That's deep. I mean, that we can continue with just that alone. Because <laughs> I'm like, okay, wow. But what about I really didn't mean it. I don't know why we have to go here. You know, Bree, I don't know why we have to go here. I said, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I don't want to mm -hmm. do the legwork of it. Right. 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 Because mm -hmm. I'm tired. For yes. instance, let me just throw this at you. And, and you and I talked earlier today. I of had course. a friend that said, and she meant no harm. I know she didn't. Right. And, you know, the intent, but the impact was, right. okay? So she said, why can't we just love each other? Right. Why, why is it so hard? Why can't we just love each other? We don't care what color we are. We just love each other. And I said, it's not that simple, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It, 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 and who are you talking to? Right. You know, <laughs> there's a group that we're talking to so that it can be all about love because everything's equal. Can you kind of speak on that? Yeah. Well, I think there are, there is a hierarchy and I'm going to keep this really in the context of racism because we don't have the time or the space to speak on the other isms, but there is a hierarchy of racisms. One is individualized. So I will try to exercise a racial superiority over you. I could use a slur, what have you. I think her prospect of if we all love each other could mitigate some individual racism. But then you have other types of racism, which are institutional, where the, the definition of professionalism in a workplace has to do with straight hair, right? Well, most yeah. African people of African descent are not going to be able to get straight hair. And so then they are by birth and genetics deemed unprofessional. But we don't question the subtext. Then there are others that are systemic, where we have built structures within a highly powerful field, whether it's uh, the economy or whether it's the government, that are built on the premise that certain people are more deserving or entitled to access to these goods and power than others. And I think in the context of institutional and systemic racism, love is not going to be the simple solution. Now, it might be the foundation or the fuel, but you must, I believe, you have to acknowledge it, hold yourself accountable. You must see it. Yeah. And a lot of seeing systemic racism, which is designed to be invisible, is to look for it. Then after oh, you've wow. found it and identified it, and this is really, again, on the part of white people, right? Because the system is designed for them to benefit without realizing that they do. 
So these denials, no, I wasn't racist. No, it's not unfair. Of course you feel that way. You've been, it's functioning as designed for yeah. you not to perceive it. So yeah. first look for it. That's a task that you can do on your own. You don't have to interact with other people. You don't have to read a ton of books about black history, read about white history. And you will find these instances and you will start to clock it. And once you develop an appetite, a palate for sussing out moments of systemic racism where you question, what is the definition of professionalism? Mm. And is it actually professional or how does that so neatly apply to me? Or do I know individuals to whom this does not naturally apply? What does that mean? Why have, what does it mean to deserve or to merit a thing? Questioning these things so that you develop an appetite for finding where systemic racism exists, and that is only the beginning. And then from there, how do I tear it down? Or how do I repair it? And so I think to the question of, yes, I would love if love were the solution, right? And like go Beatles and all these things. I think on an individual level, you know, operating under this principle that a person is by virtue of being a person deserving of love and respect could mitigate for one-on-one moments. It's not going to prepare the American justice system. It's not going to repair the medical or American political system. We need more. Wow. That's good. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so let me tell you, um, anyone asking questions, let me know. Um, don't be scared. She'll <laughs> don't be scared. She's going to answer them. Hey, John. Come on now. Yep. Corrine, um, Kim. Hello. Hello. Marlene, Lewis, um, Aline, Rhonda, Shelly. Let me tell you, if you just tune in, you're going to have to go back to the beginning because <laughs> it was already loaded as soon as she opened her mouth. So finish this up and then go back and, and start it at the beginning. Cause I'm telling you, it's been heavy. It's, it's totally been heavy already. So let's, let's, let's move a little further. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's move into politics versus racism. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about it? Yeah, I'd love to. And go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk like very specifically within the context of Black Lives Matter, which is um, by definition a whistleblowing movement that has ballooned now into a crusade against police brutality. Um, and it has been contextualized by a lot of people who feel uncomfortable discussing modern racism as a political venture. And I think the the frustrating and sort of unfortunate thing about ta- couching racism as a political ideal is that it opens it up to debate as though you, you have an, a, a different side to choose. As though, well, you know, I mean, that's kind of political. I'm more, you know, I'm this party or that party. You get to opt out of engaging with the moralistic question of are people fundamentally valuable based on race? And if you do not believe that the color of someone's skin is a direct and quantifiable indicator of their value, then you are aligned with Black Lives Matter. It's not political. There is no party line that is going to, if you believe moralistically that all humans, regardless of their color and creed, deserve the right to live, the pursuit of happiness, if you want me to quote the preamble, if you believe in those things and you are aligned with Black Lives Matter. So that's, I'm going to go on the affirmative, but now let me take it on the the negative side, right? Should you find yourself struggling with Black Lives Matter and you let yourself reason that it's because it's political, 
The question that you're answering yes to is, yes, I believe there are political reasons when denying a certain person their right to live based on race is acceptable. Mm. And you cannot get out of that silo. You cannot be not racist. You must be anti-racist, anti-meaning the antithesis. You must be against the principle that systemically certain people, according to how they look or were born, are entitled to certain rights. And I think in terms of George Floyd, if you can look at this situation and see an officer of the law, an officer in a position of power and authority, take the life of a person who is unarmed and already detained or arrested, however you like to say, if you can look at that instance and say that that's political, then you need to ask yourself a much deeper question about why does it sit well with me to watch certain lives lost and not others. If you found yourself bemoaning the loss of certain properties as a result of looting, and you haven't felt those certain quiver in that prick of your heart when you hear these deaths and murders, ask yourself, why does it hurt you more the damage of a department store's front window and not the cease, ceasing of someone else's existence? Why does death of certain groups not impact you? And I think allowing yourself to talk about it as though I don't want to discuss politics is saying I don't want to enter into a moral conversation that is not convenient or comfortable for me. It's by definition privilege. And it also, I think, denies humanity to certain groups that make you uncomfortable. Ask yourself why. It's not political. We have the right as African-Americans first or as humans first, but as African-Americans within the American within the United States to live. We have the right to due process. We have the right to be tried by a jury of our peers. When these things do not happen, we have been transgressed upon by the state. It is illegal. If you cannot look at these instances and see that clarity, if there's nuance or gray area or dot, 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 and ellipses of information you need before you can see a murder by the state as problematic, you might need to ask yourself some questions about whether or not you really are anti-racism. Mm. So it's not enough to just not be racist. You need to be anti-racist. Mm -hmm. And why is it now so important that you use your voice mm -hmm. yeah. as a white person? Why, why can't I just stay quiet, Bree? I, I, I feel it in my heart. I hear yeah. what you're saying. You know, it does hurt me when I see that man die. But and I know you say it's Black Lives Matter is not political, but I'm just not that person that really wants to get in it. I have black friends. I think everyone should be created equal and treated right. equal. And I teach my kids to be equal. So what do you say to that when people say that to you, Bree? What's your answer for that? I, so, I mean, let's get nitty gritty with this, right? I'm not yeah. going to tell you why you should think something matters. Okay. I cannot define for yeah. you your values or principles. But what I will say to you is under what conditions do you feel like an officer of the law should put their knee and squash someone into the ground when they're unarmed and unable to move? But he was big. Give me, give me the legal hypothetical situation where okay. that is completely sound and sits well with you. Perfect. You give me the conditions. Perfect. Perfect. And a lot of times, like what I found, um, and I, you know, I have these conversations about race pretty frequently, but what I found is if I just ask why, 
Why do you feel like that? I don't think I, I'm not the person to speak up. Why aren't you? What will happen if you do? What what's the what what fear arises in you to vocally say that someone who is African American's life has value? Is it fear? Or is it it just doesn't affect me because again, I have the right to turn away. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I think that's a question worth asking. I, the other is a lot of times when it's difficult to suss out the source of discomfort. What I found is to like black lives matter is an affirmative statement. You should nod. Yes. Right. Like black lives matter. Sometimes when I'm like, why can't you say yes, they matter. I'm going to ask the other, do black lives not matter? And most people are like, Oh yeah, that's not what I said. And I'm like, okay, but you're not saying. Yeah. So you, there's something happening here with this proclamation that is causing you discomfort. Lean into it. What's going on? Yeah. What's that song? Lean in. Isn't there a song called lean in? Lean into it. <laughs> right. Get it all. No, it has to be uncomfortable. A yeah. lot of times when change, true change and real change and good change comes, it's uncomfortable because you've never tread this before. You've never mm -hmm. seen this before. And mm -hmm. so it's okay. It's building you, building you as your character, right? right. Um, and right. so many other layers and content. But when we're talking about this in general, I think that we definitely have to look at the perspective of you have to say, you have to ask yourself personally in your bedroom, yeah. in your closet, okay, why am I mad at Michael? Is his name Vic? who mess who made them dogs you know but i'm not mad at all these black lives that have been killed why do i value uh animal life right more than i do a black person's right. life why can right. i fight for animal rights and will listen will cuss you out right. but, <laughs> but when you say blm i'm like okay hold up well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hey, I got you, but I'm going to go mm -hmm. right back here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so sad. And that's what has been happening. And yeah. it can't. It right. can't anymore. Again, this is not a moment. It's a movement. It yeah. is what we're fighting for. Well, let me tag in here because I you okay. just said something that has sparked me, you know, uh, to you, if I'm like, you know, talking to a white person who might be talking to a less woke or less comfortable uh, friend of theirs who's having these conversations, like, yeah, you can go on the affirmative all the way. Are you, do you think it's okay to kill black people? No. Okay. So do black lives matter? Well, like do black lives, do no black lives matter? I think the other thing is to go the extreme affirmative. Like, yes, we can go positive and negative, but let's go all the way affirmative, okay. which is, when you're asking this question of why should I care? What do I think are these kinds of things? Is it important for me to be able to look at myself and look at history and look back and say, I didn't want to be, I was apolitical or I spoke up for something that was right because I believe that it was right. And mm. what do you lose if Black Lives Matter and we're all equal? Mm. What are you losing? That's good. What are you at risk of? 
what are you're not risking in the on the super affirmative what you've done is reassured an entire sector of people that they have value there is no loss you do not lose by telling someone that you care you are not at risk to affirm someone's existence mm. there is there is there are no stakes and if you truly believe that people that racism should not exist then for you to say this in front of someone who might disagree with you is also not a risk because you've been able to, because not only have you put your stake in the sand, but you've allowed yourself to see someone in your circle in a light that you may not have otherwise. And then you have to ask yourself, do I want to keep people who are racist in my circle? And it's not about expelling and mass exodus, mass exodus, but it could just be, I didn't realize that you felt this way. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. I love you and you're important to me. These values I don't love. And I, letting you know I'm clocking them in you. What's it about? Mm. Let's talk on it. Let's sit here for a second. What's this about? There, even still, these are not risks at the very least. If someone is being accidentally, adversely, subconsciously prejudiced or discriminatory or racist, for you to awaken that in them is for their betterment. Absolutely. There are no risks. There's Absolutely. no risks to say that a black person has value. No risk. Right. Yeah. So what are we arguing? What are we arguing? So, OK, so we got a couple of comments here. We don't have any questions. So, <laughs> Corrine said they scared of you, Brie. No, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Corrine says in Boston, no, ma'am. Tell them Harvard. OK, so she did confirm she is a graduate <laughs> of Harvard. Um, Tara Lisa said, love the show, the show that you write for, um, oh, which is. Thank you. So she said, yay. Um, John said, hello. Hey, John. Hey, Kim said here to learn. Never too old to learn. Absolutely. And always have a heart to learn. Always be open. That's the mm -hmm. best type of person is someone who stays curious. Mm -hmm. That that is that's how you evolve. That's how you grow. You know, that's my big key evolving, getting to the best version of yourself. Then Meredith says, I wonder who Meredith is. Um, she my cousin. Says, <laughs> hey. She says, there are no conditions. And that's when white people get to walk away from discussion. And that's privilege. Now, let me tell you about the, Meredith. Before everyone starts having a fit, Meredith is white. Okay. So she said that. And she was on my show last Sunday. So if you missed it, go back. Yes. You Listen, you could tell their blood because they play no games. <laughs> They're going to tell it like it T.I. is. Mm -hmm. OK. And mm -hmm. when and when they mean something, there's no sugar coating. So go back to um, next or last Sunday. And listen. Yes. And then she wrote, you are I can't see that. Oh, you are not at risk to affirm someone's existence. Oh, so she was quoting you. That is a <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. If you have any questions, please um, go ahead, put it down. We'll we'll definitely answer them. If you guys are just tuning in, welcome to everyone. I was not able to greet, but let me tell you this: go back to the beginning. After we're done, just take about twenty. Well, not even twenty. About ten minutes. Go back to the very beginning because she came out. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> So 
you think this is good and this is some great information and it is and it's life changing and impacting but go all the way to the beginning where she started so you can hear um some some information that is my thing is insights with latrice we got to change lives and she did that she came out shooting listen tara <laughs> says touch on those african-americans okay so this is to you brie touch okay. on those african-americans who felt they had made it and pre-george floyd's lives a comfortable life denying any issues in the african-american community you got i'd me? love to yeah i'd oh. love to okay. um so I think there, there's a lot to unpack with this, right? But I think for the group of, of black people, African-Americans who have felt they made it, first, my question would be along what lines? Financially, are you able to afford certain status signifiers that make that control for you being at risk of being stereotyped? Do you not look a certain way that you're not gonna be subject to African-American stereotypes. I think the other thing about making it is if it's not financial, is it status-wise? Do you hold a position or you live in a certain area where simply by you being that leader or that coach or that pastor or that reverend that again, this mitigates for whatever people might assume black people are. So that's the first thing is, okay, great. And this is why I don't talk about, I don't lead with Harvard. Cause you don't get to think that the Ivy league is what makes me worth listening to. And I have wow. by very many, by very many metrics made it. And I will never use that position of privilege and resource to then deny and silence my community. So that's the first thing is by what metric have you made it? And why is that valuable? I think the second thing is to consider yourself the exception. We want to be special and individual and exceptional and it feels good. But when you are the exception because you have managed to hack a system that by and large subjugates and prostitutes your community, it's not a badge of honor and it's not a merit. So if you've been able to get to whatever echelon financially or status wise that has allowed you to somehow exempt yourself from what our community is feeling, our being black people in America, good for you, not great for the community. And it's also not a thing. I'm not cheering because of it. I, oh, yay, I don't get to deal with all the things they get through. So that's the second piece of it, right? By what standard do you think that you've made it? And two, how dare you feel exceptional for being able to be absent from a systemic issue. But the third is to deny the existence of a problem until confronted, for me, indicates one, a lack of compassion and empathy, but two, it's a willful ignorance. It's willful, it is living like this. It's making the choice wow. not to engage with something. If you have reached a place, a platform, if you've made it, you have influence. You got the cash, you got the plat the eyeballs, you got the clout. So for you to have made it and pat yourself on the back, number two, and then not to use some of that resource to shine the light on the groups of people who have not benefited, I think frankly is a shame. But I will also say, I'm not really worried about having those folks on the team. Mm. You can stay on the bench. I don't need you to advocate if you feel that African-Americans do not have systemic issues to face. One, you're undereducated. Mm. And I like that's not an asset, a lack of knowledge, awareness, curiosity, and growth. But I think, two, 
I want allies. I want brothers and sisters who are black, definitely leading. And I want allies and people who may not have been oppressed systemically along racial lines, but still say, hell no, this has to go. That's who I want on the team. And not only on the team to affect change, that's what I want the country to look like. I want the, the country to look like kids growing up, not thinking a thing about what color they are when it comes to applying for a job or for college or wearing a mask to go to CVS, how you might be construed in that context. There should be no racial context by which the law or jobs or anything else can act on you racially. That's the vision. So for the folks, the deniers, stay in your corner, stay in your pulpit, stay in your ritzy car, keep your mouth closed and let us continue to do this good work. Like time will get you. Wow, that's good. Because I was just talking to my girlfriend earlier this morning and we, and we were talking about how so many, um, not so many, I don't want to generalize, but we were talking about how some people really like being the first black. Like that's just so beautiful. The first, you know, the first this. And I was like, that's a, that's a problem. That's not beautiful. If I have to be the first in 2020. Yeah. We got a problem. So that was a great question, Tara Lisa. That that was awesome because that that's not a a badge of honor or a gold medal. I mean, you know, I think it's a it is a, a you've been tasked with a massive responsibility. You yes. have gotten somebody left the door cracked and you slipped through, or you busted down a door and it is your job to hold it open. Right there. You don't right. get to opt. If you are the first and you have broken a barrier, that's when your job began. That's now you good. must hold the door open so that no one can feel special for being black doing normal things in this country. Mm. They should expect it and they should be outraged if they can't. Wow. Outraged. Wow. Wow. Kareen says, yes, Brie, always speaking the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Brie, this time goes so fast, but I got a few more questions. Yeah, let's do it. Let's bring it. So one thing, you know, you mentioned you don't know what you don't know, but right. that can be very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to talk about that because you had my head twisting earlier today when we were talking, when you were just <laughs> talking about breaking down the government, you know, and I was just like, okay. Do I need to go take a, a class real quick before I interview her? What? <laughs> let me go talk to Olivier. You know, he's a walking encyclopedia. So I was like, let me go get on her level. And I was like, no, let me sit back and learn. So let's do it. Talk to me. Yeah. So for context, I was speaking to my cousin Meredith, who also has a beautiful platform. Um, and she had asked me some questions about uh, racism within our family. And, you know, to some extent, you know, our family is not particularly um, educated in a formal sense, like not a ton of people have acquired degrees, but also not educated in terms of a wealth of experience. And I think one of the beautiful things that allowed me to see myself growing up was to be taken out of context. I left the South and went up North. And only by being up North did I learn how Southern I was. I left the United mm -hmm. States and studied abroad in Spain. And only by being in Spain was I able to see to what extent I am so conventionally American. Like I'm blue jeans and apple pie. So uh -huh. it's not, I don't think that a degree, I don't think that travel are the only means by which you can educate yourself, but so much of it is I didn't ask the question 
until I was prompted by an experience that jarred me. I didn't question so many aspects of being a mixed girl in Atlanta until I left. Uh, you know, there was a, just being confronted by people who think differently than me or believe differently or, than me or being the fish out of water gave me a, an opportunity to see myself. So when I say you don't know what you don't know within this context, for people who are finally starting to believe that there's a systemically racist issue in this country. Look for it, hunt for it, read. You don't have to talk, you don't have to know one black person to educate yourself about systemic racism. And I think the other thing is when I say systemic, look at systems and alternatives to those systems. So the prison system, let's look at the voting systems, let's look at healthcare systems. The United States, the way that we imprison people is not the standard of the globe. You can look at Scandinavia and other nations and they will handle those same issues, same systems, by different mechanisms. So when we're talking about particularly local government and like, what can I do? What can I do? You don't know what you don't know. So yeah. start finding, literally excavate your mind and soul and life for ignorance. What am I assuming? What are my assumptions? When am I implicated in being problematic? When am I the problem? And I think, and those attack them like you would dusting a dirty room, right? Go through and say, I don't know anything about how to vote for the budget for police. So how can I even say whether I believe in defunding the police or diverting police funds to other programs? Oh, crime is on the rise. Do I actually know whether or not crime is on the rise? Let me go look at some statistics, some recent statistics, right? I think there are so many silos of growth that can exist in looking at yourself, admitting that you don't know everything, and then saying, but I'm gonna know one more thing than I tomorrow than I did today. It's okay to grow and to learn. And I think in terms of civil discourse right now, I had no idea what district I lived in in Los Angeles County, but I do now. Yeah. And it was when I had no idea that the mayor sets a budget that is automatically approved unless the citizens rebuke it. Wow. So, I, you know, in some ways where, you know, I'm telling myself I need to take civic response. Why is the country like this? I'm like, yeah. girl, why is the district like this? Like, ask yeah. the questions that, you know, as I'm as much as I'm ready to take the mantle and complain, there are some powers that I have as simply a voting adult as a, yeah. a voting, a natural born American that I'm not exercising because of ignorance. And so dispelling the ignorance, I want to know my councilman's name. I want to know when their votes are. Yeah. I want the town halls virtual so that I don't have to get Corona. Yes. Yeah. I want an itemized breakdown of where $154 million a year is do doing for the LAPD. What are you doing yeah. with that money? I want to break down a receipt just like I've been to the grocery store. Yeah. Why? Because it's my taxpayer dollars and I have a right to it. And so I think, you know, to the point of I'll bring it, bring it home. You don't know what you don't know is we must get comfortable with identifying ignorance. And I mean, Miriam Webster ignorance, the lack of knowledge. You must get comfortable with finding places where you've been ignorant. And then you must require 
that you dispel that in some form, whether it's reading, conversations, podcasts, experiences. I think just that is just as ardent and necessary as the intent versus impact. You must hold yourself accountable. You cannot give yourself slack because if you will forgive yourself for that, then you will forgive the cop that makes the killing. You'll forgive the jury who doesn't convict. You'll forgive the prison system that locks up the wrong person for their entire lives. Like the slippery slope begins with you. I don't know what I'm talking about. Black on black crime. Mm, is it real? Have you ever asked if it's real? Right? Mm. Ghettos. Okay. Are these re like, if you actually don't know what a ghetto is, be careful discussing them. Dispel mm. the ignorance. Educate yourself. If you don't understand certain areas, well, cops have to, mm, crime is always rising. Is it? Statistically, because it's not. Mm. So the whole entire premise of your argument is based on ignorance. And if you cannot educate yourself to know better, you will not do better. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that cute. You got to, it's not cute. You have to take that responsibility. Find out. Learn. Mm -hmm. Google yeah. if you got to. Yeah. You know, yes. whatever it takes. We don't yeah. even have time to talk because I was going to talk. I was going to throw in black on black crime because, you know, you hear that a lot. And, you know, maybe what we'll have to do is do a continuation um, because I'm telling you um, that's a whole nother level. Meredith gave some smiley faces. You know, I love Meredith. <laughs> She's great. Yeah. We've seen we've seen many. Can you not put that? High? I'm sorry. I'm trying to read it, but I can't do it. We've oh, seen no white brothers and sisters join the Black Lives Movement. Do you think that the movement and what it advocates for is being redefined in a way that is is not bringing change to systematic racism? I example master bedroom. You know this big old mm. this thing with you know, and we talked about it. Should we call it right? Mm-hmm. I. I'm not a spokesperson for Black Lives Matter, so I'm actually going to take an exit door and say I'm not going to speak in terms of what the movement intends. Mm -hmm. um, I will say Black Lives Matter has been immensely successful in blowing the whistle on issues that have persisted for 400 years, and that is valuable. What I will say is Black Lives Matter has managed to, in the last like 33 days, circle the globe multiple times in territories where they don't have significant African-American or black populations to say nothing of African-American, right? So it's like they don't even have brown-skinned people, whether they're from Africa or the West uh, Indies or, or, you know, the Caribbean, what have you. So that, I think, fundamentally speaks to its value. Now, in terms of a measure of success or, in you know, what it advocates for, Black Lives Matter advocates for the irrefutable idea that in all systems of this country and at all levels, whether it be macro governmental level to individual you and I, the premise is that black lives have that value, period. So that's what they advocate for and I stand behind it. I think in terms of issues like master bedrooms, for me in this time and period where we are right now, I have to, because I'm one person, and we're talking to we're, we're obviously going to bring our grievances to leaders who have a docket of issues that they must address. I would like to add assign priority numbers to certain issues. I think it is important to make sure that your language reflects your values. Yeah. Right. And so I do think that being 
uh, very conscious about how you speak about race and, and or understanding the derivatives of certain things that you say racially is important. I would like to add at the, the highest level of priority, um, systemic problems like over-policing, uh, systemic problems like redlining. I want to flag those as the things that should be on everybody's docket, that should be so, so urgent that you can't leave a council gathering without it coming up. Now, the other things I think are important and valuable and will impact people's day-to-day -day lives and shift the culture, I just wouldn't tag it with equal priority as privatized prison systems and other things. That's but good. that's me personally. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, good. Thank you for that question. Tara says, and no movement can stand or drive change in ignorance. So I think that goes back to what oh, we were talking about earlier. And let, let's let's um, end this with, when we talked earlier today, mm -hmm. we were talking about, you know, black history and white history. Yeah. I'm getting true information, but right. before I have you tackle that, hey guys, welcome. For those that are just tuning in, I'm telling you, you've missed a treat. Do <laughs> this favor. Start at the beginning. After you hear this and we end it, um, go back to the very beginning. I'm telling you, or listen on my podcast because um, it'll be on Spotify. Please, you don't you have to hear it in its entirety. There's too much good information to say, oh, it's okay. You just heard the middle to end. No, no, no. She came out kicking at the very beginning with some knowledge and wisdom and information. So please do yourself a favor, educate yourself, black, white, brown, whatever. You need to start at the beginning. So either go back to my rebroadcast here on live or go to my podcast on Spotify um, or YouTube. It'll be up there and it'll be up on Gram um, as well. So <laughs> you don't want to cheat yourself, to be quite honest. This is not a time to just hear a little bit and think you got enough. No, no, ma'am, no, sir. Let's get the whole entirety. I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. Let's knock it out, Bree. Talk to me. Yeah. Um, so the subject of uh, this, really, it's not a question of learn your black histories versus learning your white histories. It's right. about learning to learn history means to look at it from multiple standpoints. At least that's my view. Right. So let's talk about the victors. So let's, you know, the people who put the systems in place and let's talk about the people who maybe had an opposing view and were not successful in putting a view in place. So that's a holistic, in my mind, view of history, which is you study the same incident or the same idea from multiple perspectives. Now, what, what I would call white history is propaganda. Looking at textbooks from kids nowadays who have photographs of Ruby Bridges, who's a 65-year-old woman right now. She's just now qualifying for Social Security, and the photographs are grainy and sepia filters are black and white. Color cameras existed then. That's a propagandist move in order to condition yeah. and to contextualize a very present modern issue as ancient history. This question of ghettos, for example, a lot of times there are people who don't understand that a ghetto is not something that happens, uh, you know, arbitrarily it's done by design and not only by design, but a lot of affluent white bankers, uh, investors, property developers identified city lines where they would congregate black people, starve them of any resource, meaning we will not develop anything here. 
Yeah. We will deny you mortgages in order to be able to attain properties outside of these areas and price them so out of your grasp that you can never leave and then watch you not be able to thrive. That to me is the absence of those kinds of concepts is also propagandist. It's a privilege yeah. to not not even know how to ask the question. So I think in terms of black histories and white histories, I would like to shift it more to just learn the history of how white people, white leaders designed the nation to serve future white leaders, because there is a history there. It's not arbitrary. The fact that people are having these issues and suffering from them, again, it didn't get out of control. It is functioning like a well-oiled machine. It is functioning as designed. <laughs> at that point, what do you do but drop the mic? <laughs> at, at that point. And that may be hard to swallow for some people, but the truth is the truth. And that's why you have to truly go into the not the history books that were in the school no 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 you gotta go further than that you gotta you gotta want to go deeper than that right and get the truth and get the information so that you can understand the systematic problem mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. takes. i think it's having an appetite for change as well which means yeah. fundamentally think the world as you know it if you believe in change may not exist as you know it this isn't a bad thing but it will require effort. It will require effort mm -hmm. because for us, we wake up, we can't change. This is who we are every day. This is what, these are some of the things that we deal with without fail, just because of the color of our skin, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. um, those that are not black or brown um, have an option and a choice. They can opt out. Mm -hmm. If today ugh, I'm not feeling right or feeling good, Right. I don't really need to address any of that. So I right. think that appetite of, of change, of, of knowledge, desire to know truth um, has to be some, you, you have to want it like you want your next breath. Yes. You know, exactly. And, and, um, and that, that takes character that, that takes someone who really says, you know what? Enough is enough. It takes you know, resilience too. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming. Trust us. We know. We live it. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. Okay. Hello. <laughs> yes. And so we only have a few minutes left because I don't want to take all your time because I could keep stay here for about another <laughs> two hours. But I know you're busy and you're in that beautiful California. And uh, <laughs> And so I'm a little jealous, but that's okay. We're friends now, so I know I can come visit you. There you so go. There here you we go. go. Here we go. But <laughs> so, so closing remarks. I love to do it yeah. with Latrice, the a last insight. Mm. I'm gonna mm. let you mm. have it. I want you to talk to my dear white sisters and brothers, and I want you to give a last insight. But before we do that. I want them to be able to follow you. I want them and I want oh, to give okay. you props because I want them to also support um, your Thank your you. show that you're writing for because Thank the you. more we watch, the more that is going to help, right? Mm -hmm. so, Ideally, yes. If the shows are appropriately produced and socially conscious, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you write for All Rise. For those of you 
who did not um, hear or was not at the beginning of our broadcast. She writes for a wonderful show. Um, it's amazing. It's so good. I'll have to, girl, I'll have to call you later. Cause there was, <laughs> I, oh, girl, I was into it when the judge um, had to make a choice. I don't know if, I'm sure you remember. She's, what, we, are, we are always putting her in different hoodwinks. Girl, mm -hmm. when she let that um, fugitive go so she could get yeah. her, Self together yeah. to her kids because you know it it pulled my heartstring. I was like, that's why I, I fool with you, Judge, because mm -hmm. I'm a mother. <laughs> I fool with you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> please, please watch All Rise. It's an amazing show, amazing Thank content. You. Um, writing is is superb and it it's socially conscious. And so with that. Um, where can they follow you? Um, what platforms are you on? Um, I, my primary platform is Instagram and it's at Brie Belser. That's B-R-I, my last name, Belser. Um, and then Facebook, same thing, Brie Belser, just all the way across the board. My Twitter is Brie Belser, although I'm not that active. Um, so please, you know, check it out. I'm always trying to keep updates in terms of knowledge that I learn, nuggets um, that come here and there in terms of civil discourse, uh, story making, entertainment industry, uh, gender issues and racial issues. So you, let's have a conversation. Absolutely, and she'll and she'll she'll bring it. Definitely, <laughs> like I'm ready to talk now. <laughs> Absolutely. What's the last insight you can give? And it could be to dear white people, or it could be to everybody. What's something that you can leave with my audience? I think that what I would love to say is. Any effort that is made sincere and consistent is quality effort in terms of addressing the racial issues of this country. It's not about perfection. It's not about doing it every single day. It's about if you do it every week, then that's consistent and sincere and valuable. And I think moving forward, a lot of it, I'll just reiterate what I said before, to affirm someone else's life and existence puts you at no risk. You can very, very healthily state and proclaim that black lives matter so if this was my mic watch what I do. <laughs> and for those that are listening i have a mic in my hand aka a pen <laughs> and you actually would hear me, hear me drop it because that's what the bottom line and and my insight would just piggyback off of you black lives they do matter and we have to understand the things that have been in the system to cause them not to or be devalued. And so if we make those changes and it's not going to be overnight, right. but it is something that we have to work on daily and we have to have the allies. We have to have those people in position, right? That do have the privilege necessary um, that can make some moves for us as mm -hmm. well. And so um, I, I think that's important to just, it's not going to cost you anything. No. It, it's just not. I think that that right there, that's that's it. It's not going to cost you. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, thank you for building this platform and being so open. You're so positive and, and uplifting. And thank you for letting me have the time to be featured. And I think keep doing what you're doing. Thank and, you know, you. it's good work. Thank you, doll. I appreciate you so much. Um, Thank you. I am going to close out, but I want you to hang out. Okay. Um, 
Leia is going to do what she does with the screen. <laughs> and so give me just a second to talk to my audience. Hey, didn't I tell you, <laughs> you were in for a treat. She is the bomb.com. I know I'm old and that probably we don't say that anymore, but that's who she is. Okay. Um, as much as I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed with the information she provided. Um, you can't tell me you can walk away from this conversation today and not be changed. You just, I, I don't believe you. you. If you aren't changed, you don't want to be at this point. You, you don't want to be. And so I think that this is, this is one of those messages that you need to listen to not just once, but twice, maybe even three times. You know how you have to watch something over and over again to get everything, all the um, things that um, points that were, were supposed to be in that um, show, whatever you want to call it, um, another podcast. You want to make sure you're pulling everything that that speaker is talking about or that show is trying to represent or get a message across. That was That's what I was really trying to say. Please listen, start at the beginning and then listen to it in its entirety. If you have any questions, you know, find me, text me, email me, um, messenger me. Um, I'll get you the answers. I will um, respond myself. Or if it's a question for Brie, you know how to get a hold of her. Um, but um, I'm just saying, be respectful. We don't play no games. Okay. I appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to download me on Spotify, Insights with Latrice. You want to do that. And go back to um, previous podcasts. Um, I'm telling you, you're going to be tickled because your girl is silly. And even though we're talking about a serious topic, um, there are some topics that are fun and, and easy going, but um, get involved, get in the meat of this. You know, this is something that we need to change and we are changing. Get the information, as Bree was saying, you know, find out because, I mean, she challenged me where I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know about the budget. OK, all right. All right. And I'm real picky on my itemized grocery list. I listen, I look, I look at it two and three times and I find things. They be looking like, ma'am, it's a dollar and 12 cents. And you, listen, you charge twice. Why, why am I not that diligent, you know, with the budget, the police budget or, or whatever? And so it definitely has challenged me to even do better, right? Even with my um, platforms. And so thank you so much for watching. Make sure you like. Make sure you share and make sure you meet me here again next Sunday on Insights with Latrice. Real life, real you. Honey, we talking real good. Until next time, have a great week.